Over the last few months, gas prices have been rising. A gallon of gas averaging $3.40, up from $2.12 last year. Here in the state of Florida, we are seeing the highest gas prices of the year. According to local media reports, a gas station along an isolated highway in California was charging $7.59 a gallon for regular and almost $8.5 for premium. Those higher prices are putting pressure on consumers and have become a major concern for President Joe Biden. Many of his most senior advisors at the White House are concerned that high gasoline prices could be politically deadly for the president. Voters do not like high gasoline prices. And all over the place, people are cranky because inflation is affecting their lives in a real way. That's our colleague Tim Pucco, who covers energy policy. We've heard from a lot of people, both inside the administration and, and partners that those people talk to, that, that they are scrambling inside the White House. They have been for weeks, you know, almost several months now, to figure out the gasoline price issue. Everything is at stake for Joe Biden. But the challenge is that to lower gas prices, Biden wants more crude oil on the market. And that is at odds with his promise to slow climate change. Biden has to manage an almost impossible clash of top priorities. He's got impending doom from climate change and major promises that he's made to address the the country's contribution to it, while at the same time, the potential for a consumer and voter revolt. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, December 1st. Coming up on the show, why the Biden administration is scrambling to lower gas prices. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. When Biden came into office, he made addressing climate change a top priority. On his first day, Biden canceled plans for the Keystone XL pipeline. Then he tried to stop oil drilling on federal land. He's also championed electric vehicles and asked Congress for billions of dollars to support his climate agenda. At the most basic level, they have acknowledged that society has to cut its consumption of fossil fuels to really make a dent in the amount of greenhouse gases that it's producing. And Joe Biden has been very blunt about that, both as a candidate and as a president. And so they are pushing all sorts of policies to try to reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions and sometimes just to straight up reduce the amount of fossil fuel production or consumption in the United States. Despite those policies, fuel consumption has been growing. As vaccines were rolled out this year and the world's economies rebounded, Demand for fuel rose, and so did prices. And 
In Europe, there's almost a panic over it. The UK famously couldn't get gasoline to places. You have long lines at gasoline stations as the summer is turning into the fall. There have been long queues at some petrol stations with many forecourts closed or running dry because of the... When it becomes apparent that there is what is appearing to be an energy crisis, a straight-up energy crisis brewing around the world, then at home, Biden's advisors start to get anxious about whether it's a matter of time before that affects U.S. consumers as well. And by the fall, gasoline prices in the U.S. hit the highest level in years. The average cost for a gallon of regular gasoline rose to about $3.40. Last year, it was a little over $2. But the supply of gasoline hasn't kept up. And for consumers, that means higher prices on many fronts. Gasoline prices have an effect on everything. You know, the amount that people are able to travel, how often they want to go to work, how many things they want to buy, how much what they want to buy costs. It adds a cost to everything. So how big of a political problem are high gasoline prices for the Biden administration? There are a lot of people in the White House who've been consumed with the idea that the masses will leave him if they see gasoline prices going to the moon. And there is a concern actually, that if gasoline prices get too high, if energy prices get too high, that it will create too much anger in the short term for people to accept the climate agenda. You could have a revolt against it. You could have voters retreat back to candidates who don't prioritize climate, and they turn completely away from, you know, action on climate change altogether. This idea that voters could revolt over high gas prices isn't far-fetched. It happened in another country, in France. A few years ago, the French government tried to raise carbon taxes, which would lead to higher gas prices. And people were not happy. So in France, there were truck drivers for whom gasoline prices, fuel prices are absolutely fundamental to their livelihoods. They were out in the street protesting in very fierce ways. That caught attention not just in Paris, but all over the world. And, in fact, Paris had to back down from its intent on carbon taxes. As gas prices in the U.S. started rising this summer, the Biden administration got concerned. And White House advisors started looking for steps they could take. They're looking for every option that they have. Again, we've heard this from several people inside the administration. The president himself, the White House, doesn't have a lot of options that can really make a difference. Not a lot of good options, that's for sure. One option to drive prices lower would be to try to increase the supply of oil. But given Biden's climate agenda, the administration was reluctant to encourage more domestic oil production. The oil industry is quick to point out that the Biden administration has revoked the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. They've done a review of the federal oil and gas leasing program. And so the oil industry points out that all these things send a signal that the oil industry isn't really welcome in the United States right now, or at least rapid growth from the oil industry might be looked at unfondly from the president. Even before Biden's climate policies, the industry had been shrinking. Investors were backing away, leaving some oil producers strapped for cash. 
So the White House looked beyond its borders to OPEC, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. OPEC brings together nearly all of the world's top crude exporters, where they meet periodically to set production quotas. Their goal is to keep production in line and and try to control the market. They want to keep prices stable and preferably higher. But the White House needed prices lower, so it decided to pressure OPEC. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan put out a statement about OPEC, saying that, quote, higher gasoline costs, if left unchecked, risk harming the ongoing global recovery. The White House got very vocal about telling OPEC to go faster. And the administration looked at that as a quick fix. You know, try to convince these guys to pump more right away, and that could be the fastest way to lower prices. But that statement didn't get results. So Biden's advisors considered something a little less diplomatic. They had another option on the table, a tweet storm. Should we do something through Twitter that puts a forceful statement out quickly to get OPEC to jump? Something right out of the Trump playbook. Use a fast-paced medium, get aggressive, say things about what many in in the U.S. public are going to perceive as a foreign adversary. Put the issue on them. OPEC needs to pump more. In the end, the White House backed away from the tweet storm idea. But it was the first sign that this White House was going to think about a lot of different things. And how has OPEC responded to this pressure campaign? Not well. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For OPEC, the idea of increasing oil production because the U.S. asked it to, was a non-starter. As you can imagine, the world's largest oil producers don't typically like being told what to do. Both OPEC nations and consuming nations like the U.S., what they want most of all are stable prices. And OPEC sees itself as a force for maintaining that. When the pandemic shut down the global economy and dried up demand for oil, OPEC nations were especially hard hit. All these countries are heavily reliant on their oil revenue. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, they all took it in the teeth, just plummeting prices everywhere. And so all the countries that manage OPEC have been trying to have a measured recovery. 
As global markets have reopened, OPEC has been slowly increasing oil production, but not as fast as demand has risen. As we've seen in recent days, the pandemic can be really unpredictable. And whether demand is still stable going into next year has been a big concern for OPEC. Not only did Biden's strategy of pressuring OPEC not work, it also drew scrutiny at the Global Climate Summit in Glasgow last month. The summit was a huge moment for Biden's climate agenda. There, he and his climate envoy, John Kerry, urged nations around the world to cut greenhouse gas emissions. But just hours before arriving in Glasgow, Biden had asked some of the same nations at the climate summit to pump more oil. And Tim says the mixed messages left many diplomats confused, especially those from OPEC nations. At home, Biden is sending out diplomatic messages, getting very public that he wants OPEC to produce more oil. But then he's sending his climate team, led by John Kerry, and even visiting himself. You know, Joe Biden himself is coming to Glasgow, saying the world needs to do more to reduce emissions. On a call during the summit, reporters asked U.S. envoy John Kerry about this conflict. Kerry said the president's policy wasn't inconsistent and that, quote, he's asking them to boost production in the immediate moment. So Kerry, you know, has to be a part of the administration. He's not going to step out of line. And he's there you know, selling the president's message on all fronts that he supports what Joe Biden is doing and does a lot to explain that you have to address the pain of consumers. You can't let prices get out of control in the short term. President Biden also defended the policy. Well, on the surface, it seems like an irony, but the truth of the matter is, you've all known, everyone knows, that the idea we're going to be able to move to renewable energy overnight and not have, and from this moment on, not use oil or not use gas or not use hydrogen is just not rational. Certain things we can't... And this is the out. tension between a short-term political goal and a long-term environmental goal. Yeah, and they, they've tried to make that sell that we need lower oil prices now as a way to make sure that we can do our long-term climate goals. But there's a lot of skepticism about that, both from climate hawks and from people in the oil industry. It's, it's a very tough sell. Biden still had a couple moves left. He called on the Federal Trade Commission to investigate whether oil and gas companies are illegally keeping gasoline prices high and hurting consumers. At the same time, Biden's advisors started urging the president to take a more immediate measure. One thing that the White House does have a lot of control over and which Biden's advisors have homed in on is the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's a government stockpile of oil that's kept in underground caves in Louisiana and Texas. And it's typically used when the oil supply to the U.S. is disrupted. It's got anywhere at any given time from 600 million to 700 million barrels of oil in it. And the president has some discretion over when to put that oil out there on the market. The Biden administration plans to sell 50 million barrels from the reserve as part of a coordinated global effort. Countries like India, Japan, and the UK would also release oil from their national reserves to boost global oil supply and cause gas prices to fall. But ultimately, Tim says this coordinated release doesn't amount to that much oil. 
anybody who follows the market is really skeptical that it's going to make a huge difference in terms of prices. It, it could, but there's kind of a broad expectation that it won't matter a whole lot. And OPEC could counter his move. The group is meeting this week to determine whether it will increase production. But it may not, given the reserve releases from the U.S. and other countries and the threat of a new COVID variant. If the release from the Strategic Reserve doesn't end up lowering prices, what more can the Biden administration do? They're really hamstrung at at this point. You know, a reserve release may have been their last best bet. They could release more from reserves. That's certainly possible. But there aren't a lot of good options left out there for them. Because there are huge market forces that are way more influential than anything that comes out of the White House. All choices are bad. And there is a political pitfall around almost every corner. Everything is converging at once. Climate the economy, the pandemic, in a way that one guy in the White House has limited control over. And any of these things can spiral into a bad place, regardless of what the president does. What does this situation say about the challenge of transitioning away from fossil fuels? It makes it very clear that the transition is not going to be easy. Yes, solar and wind and alternative energy is much more affordable than it has been in the past. But you have to scale those things up. And oil is the leading source of energy for transportation. It's just oil drives the world. Trying to change that overnight is not going to happen. And you run a great risk with consumers that the higher prices that happen between now and then are not going to be well-received. This is just a small glimpse at what could be giant challenges for years to come. That's all for today, Wednesday, December 1st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Benoit Faucon, Alex Leary, Andrew Rastusha, and Summer Saeed. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.